Uh, it is good, brothers and sisters, to worship with you this morning. And I'll ask that you grab a copy of the scriptures, if you haven't already, on your phone, a uh, physical copy in front of you. Turn to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, will be in verses 15 through 22. Now, we continue our series, Christmas Foretold, as we consider a critical but often overlooked Christmas text. You may be aware Deuteronomy is Moses' last book. It's a record of the final sermons he spoke to the nation of Israel before they entered into the promised land. So Israel had been wandering in the wilderness. Their rebellion and turning from God had put them in this cycle and a waiting pattern of sorts. So right before they go into Canaan, they are camped just east of the Jordan River. And their leader, Moses, republishes and reestablishes the law of God. Hence the title, Deuteronomy, Second Law. So Moses rather lays out the law of God and how it should be lived and followed. Moses presses into this community of faith and reminds them of God's goodness and the covenant, this promise relationship that he's entered with them. In Moses' final farewell, he reminds the people that there will either be blessing for faithful followers or, or cursing in consequence for their continued rebellion that they've been marked by for all these years in the wilderness. Now, Moses, he doesn't say this self-righteously either. Uh, he is keenly aware that he himself will, in fact, not be entering in the promised land because of his own sin. So Moses is no self-righteous man. So in the midst of Pastor Moses proclaiming God's law and promises, we come to our passage and a Christmas promise for a coming prophet. Our main idea this morning is simply this. Jesus is the one we follow. Now, that might seem like an obvious statement in a church service on a Sunday morning. <laughs> we are Christians after all, the mission statement of the church is to reproduce faithful followers of Christ. So, duh. Perhaps an obvious statement, but I'll confess, a difficult one for me to live out. Maybe for you too. What we come to find out is that Jesus was sent to be born, to be Emmanuel, God with us not just to secure the forgiveness of sin, a new heart, a new life, and eternity, but Jesus was born to fulfill the promise of Deuteronomy 18. Jesus was born, lived, died, and rose again to secure our allegiance and our faithful and true following of him. Some questions we might have as we consider allegiance and following of Jesus. Is he worth it? Will I be disappointed if I follow him? Can God work in such a way where I can trust him? Is there some prophetic voice out there somewhere that can lead me to the restoration from Eve's offspring and the blessing of Abraham that we've looked at as a church the last two weeks? Well, God has a word for you and I this morning. So would you read with me, please, Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 22. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, 
from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know that the Lord, the word of the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Well, this is God's word, and I'd like to unpack it with you this morning. So first, we will consider our, collectively, our desire to hear. Now, I get this directly from verses 15 and 16. Now, we're all drawn, all of us, everyone in this room, we're drawn to prophetic voices and influences in our world and culture. We're in church, I know. So we may give a hearty confession to Jesus being the one we follow. But the empirical evidence of our lives may say something different. So we say we follow Jesus, but our words and actions look more like Aristotle and Plato than we realize. We say we follow Jesus, but the prophetic voices of our favorite talking head is more ready on our lips. I'll give you a couple examples. Maybe it's Sam Harris or Stephen Fry, my favorite atheist. Jordan Peterson or Ben Shapiro. John Stewart or Oprah Winfrey, Ted Cruz or Bernie Sanders, LeBron James or Joe Rogan, Joel Osteen or Alistair Begg, Justin Bieber or Olivia Rodrigo. We all, and every single one in this room is like, oh yeah, I know who that is. You got someone out of that. I know you did. All of us desire someone to follow. Some voice that will influence us. And some better than others, surely. Really, it's no different from our passage and the nation of Israel at this time. Moses had been a prophetic voice and a leader with them for over 40 years. And this is the pattern that we find in the scriptures. God raises up godly men and women to lead, to influence, and to prophetically challenge and encourage the people of God to actually follow God. This is what Israel wanted to know as Pastor Moses looked down from the Jordan and gave them these final sermons before they entered the promised land. Will we have anyone to follow? Will anyone lead us? Will we have someone we can trust as we've trusted you, Moses? Those are the questions. 
And the answer is yes. Verse 15, God will raise up another prophet like Moses from their own people to proclaim, to influence, to lead in God. In fact, Moses says, your desire, in verse 16, will be fulfilled, just as it was in Exodus 20, which is what our verse 16 quotes, by the way. And if you're unfamiliar, or it's just been a while and you've forgotten, Mount Horeb is also known as Mount Sinai, where God gave Moses the Ten Words. Now, you may know them as the Ten Commandments, but they're not the Ten Commandments. They're the Ten Words. And here's the scene in which these Ten Words were given from God to Moses. So let me read the scene for you. Exodus 19. Now, Mount Sinai was wrapped. Just imagine this. Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sounds of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called to Moses, and he came to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. What a scene. Thunder, lightning, thick smoke, mountains trembling. I would imagine if we were there, that would be a terrifying experience. And in fact, the people of Israel, they're told to not even touch the mountain because they might die if they do. So in part, you can't blame them when you read verse 16. When they said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore in case I die. There was a healthy fear, a trembling before God. These people of God had a full, healthy, and practical understanding of the holiness of God. Well, here's how one person explains that. Quote, the holiness of God refers to the absolute moral purity of God and the absolute moral distance between God and his human creatures. So the scriptures consistently teach that God is good and pure and set apart. And our flawed natures create something of a separation. So we have, I know we all do, we have feelings of guilt and shame and failure as we recognize our imperfect lives and our sinful natures. Often, we either want to be at a distance from God so we don't feel judged, or we're so laden with guilt and we want him to be near, but we're convinced that he would be repelled by us. So like Israel, we want a mediator. We say God's holiness is so great, so big, we would die from the overwhelming reality of his presence. So in Exodus 20, the, these people, they wanted Moses to face God on their behalf. They wanted him to provide instruction in a, a prophetic voice, to be an in-between. So now as they are about to enter the promised land, they, they have that same desire in Deuteronomy 18. They want a mediator. They want a, a prophet and in between. Moses says God will send another prophet. I know you want someone. Your desire is to have someone to lead you and to guide you. And God will do it, we read. 
Well, that provides us, my friends, a lot of context and explanation for what's happening in our passage. But now I want us to focus on the next few verses that we see. In verses 17 through 19, we see our requirement to listen. Now, God speaks directly to Moses and affirms the people's desire to have a mediator and a prophet. So a prophet like Moses will be brought up. This prophet will be given God's words, will faithfully communicate God's words and remind their listeners that God's words are not merely to be memorized or sewn on pillows or posted on social media accounts or tattooed on your arm in a language you can't read. God's words were given to this prophet, to God's prophets, so that we would hear and obey. And God did as some of you might know, as you've read through the Bible, God did initially fulfill that promise. As we read on in Israel's history, we hear prophetic leading voices from Joshua, Samuel, Deborah. Prophetic offices were filled by others like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Daniel and many more. We read the Old Testament and much of it follows these promises in verses 17 through 19. God does bring prophetic voices to guide, challenge, encourage, and lead the people of God. As they received God's words, these prophets, and they faithfully spoke and communicated God's words, the people were to listen to those words as if they were the very words of God. They were to be followed. (laughs) But, but, how effective were these prophets really? A lot of talking going on in the Old Testament. How effective were the prophets? Well, I think we can argue they were just as effective as someone like Moses. Moses spoke God's words and he told the people, and and, and God's words, the, the Torah, the law of God, is the first five books of the Old Testament. And Moses told the people that there would be blessing or cursing depending on their faithful following of God. So Israel showed themselves, very much like us, to be human. Some seasons of great joy, love, and obedience to God. And sometimes we have that. Oh, God is real and great. And then, maybe in a season that you're in right now, in a dry spell, we have other seasons marked by deep doubt, frustration, a lack of faith, and disobedience. So it was with every prophet that followed in Moses' steps. This pattern should lead us, as we read the Old Testament, to ask this question. Will a true prophet ever come? Will anyone ever faithfully communicate God's words successfully, efficiently, and powerfully to actually aid the people of God as we navigate this life and this journey of faith? Well, the answer in our passage is yes. And it will be a prophet like Moses. Jesus, like Moses, was of the nation of Israel, both ethnically and spiritually. Jesus, like Moses, went up on a mountain to speak God's words. Jesus, like Moses, redeemed people out of slavery. Here's how one writer summarizes the comparison between the two. 
Just as Moses delivered the people of Israel from Egypt to receive God's word at Sinai, so Jesus has delivered his people from death in order to inscribe his law on their hearts. Truly, there is no prophet like Jesus. And for that reason, in a world filled with competing prophets, we must listen to him above all others. And my friends, this is what we celebrate in a Christmas season. Jesus is the truer and better Moses, the great and final prophet who has God's words in his mouth because he's the God-man, the Son of God, who is able to prophetically speak and his people hear his voice and obey his commands. We celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is prophet, priest, and king. He came to live, to die, and to rise again to bring forgiveness and salvation. He came, brothers and sisters, to secure these eternal realities, but earthly realities too. Our friend, the Apostle Paul, tells us in Galatians 1.4 that Jesus came to save us from the present from the present evil age, you know, the Monday morning exploding diapers and jobs you don't want to go to? Jesus came for those. Jesus was born to be the true prophet who would speak God's words to us. He was born to speak in a way that no other prophet could. He was born to speak and to rule over our hearts as we follow him now in the unique life that you've been given. And this is the same argument that Peter made, by the way. Fast forward from our passage, thousands of years, and you find yourself in Acts 3, where Peter and John, in the name of Jesus, they speak in a lame man's, lame man's legs are healed. Peter, a faithful follower of Christ, takes the opportunity to tell the crowd about Jesus in that moment. And here's part of Peter's explanation of Jesus in Acts 3. Hear this. Moses said, bringing in Moses, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised us his servant, sent him to you first. Jesus, to bless you by turning every one of you from your own wickedness. So what Peter is saying in Acts 3 is that Jesus is Eve's offspring that will crush evil and bring paradise. Jesus is Abraham's blessing that offers forgiveness. Jesus is Moses' prophet who redeems and leads people to truly follow God. Now, because, my friends, the scriptures make this argument this has significant implication on our lives, yeah, our lives in a Christmas season. Look again at Deuteronomy 18, at the end of verse 18, and, and going through 19. It says, And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So God says, my prophets will speak my words, and I'll hold people accountable to follow those words. 
Well, here's the question. And I don't like the question, but I'm going to ask the question. Am I following the prophetic words and commands of Christ? Well, I'm not going to answer it because I don't like the answer. Um, but here's some diagnostic questions that I have to wrestle with, and maybe you do too. If Jesus is the prophet, if he's the fulfillment, if, if he's the king and prophetic voice that's been promised, am I following him? So do I harbor hate and anger towards others? Or do I love and pray for them as Jesus said? Do I seek my preferences and comfort? Or do I seek his kingdom and righteousness? Do I seek rest and comfort from the things of this world? Or do I seek rest from the personal invitation that Jesus offers when he says, come to me? Do I act on sexual expression as I see fit? Or do I obey the command for flourishing in this way to be in the context of marriage? Do I hold tightly onto money and resources? Or do I invite and care for the poor and needy as Jesus commanded? And Jesus' final command as he's on earth was this. Go, make disciples, baptize them, teaching them to faithfully follow. So then the question is, am I, am I going, discipling, am I teaching? Have I been baptized and following as he explicitly said? Again, I don't like the question. Are we truly faithful followers of Christ? Or are we faithful followers of self who sprinkle in a little Jesus to soothe our guilty consciences? Hard questions. Thankfully, thankfully, by God's grace, Jesus is the true prophet. He takes our weary, rebellious souls, our wayward preferences, and our cold hearts, and he changes them. Christianity is not a moral lifestyle. Christianity is not, I will look good and dress good and come on a Sunday, read my Bible once in a while, and listen to a country song about the big guy up in the sky. Christianity is a personal relationship with God where you're clinging to Him and He changes you. You don't change yourself, but He changes you. So in Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus came to save people like us. He came to forgive. He came to lead. Look back for a moment on verse 15 at the end there. It is to him you shall listen. If you've trusted in Christ, you hear his voice when he calls. When we are blind, when we stumble, when we ignore, he's the good shepherd. The good shepherd who keeps calling and keeps changing us. If you are a flawed, faithful follower of Christ, he is pleased with you. He aims for you to follow him truly. 
but he's pleased with your imperfect obedience. If you are here this morning and you do not know Christ, his invitation is one in which he offers a voice in which you will never be dissatisfied when you follow. And that is the battle on my heart every day as it is yours. I wake up with two voices. I don't talk to those voices because that would be weird. I wake up with voices where I say, am I going to choose my way or am I going to follow the prophetic voice in the way of Christ? And here's the clincher for me. I'm scared if I choose his way, I'm going to miss out. But every time, it's true of you too, every time you follow the prophetic voice of Christ, you have not been disappointed. You haven't. So brothers and sisters, go to him when he calls. Go to him. Lastly, we have our assurance to trust. Our concluding verses, 20 through 22, bring us to this. God promises a prophet to come, to speak God's words and to lead God's people. But Israel and us too, we want to know, can we trust the one speaking to us? prophetically. Just because someone says, I speak in the name of God, I'm not going to follow you. I don't know you. I don't trust you. We don't drink the Kool-Aid. So how do we know? How do we know when someone offers words that sound good? How do we know when someone speaks with a measure of eloquence? What about when their language meets all my preferences and my perceived needs in the moment? Is that really from God? Or, or I think more so for me. What about when they say something I don't like or I disagree with? Is it truly a prophetic voice? How do I know I can trust someone when they say God says this? Well, God says and lays it out in verses 20 through 22, there's something of a grid a grid provided to you and I to know for sure. So if a prophet speaks contrary to God's word or speaks in the name of another God, that prophet will die, verse 20 says. Or if a prophet says he represents God and brings some kind of message or prediction, and that never happens, well, you can just forget about that guy. He's a fraud, verse 22. Which, if we're going to be consistent, we have to apply this language of Deuteronomy to the words of Jesus. This principle has to be put on the prophetic words of Jesus. Jesus comes and says, I'm a prophet. Well, I'm not just going to believe what he says because I'm God. How do we know? How do we know you're of God, the Son, the God-man? Because the reality is this, if Jesus is proved to be a prophetic fraud, then all of us are blind and stupid sheep wasting our time. If Jesus is not a prophetic voice, if his words are not God's, if what he says doesn't come to pass, then we need to go home, take down the Christmas trees and the stockings, we need to stop singing songs of his birth, And we need to stop following him and coming to church on Sunday. 
If Jesus is not the true prophet, priest, and king, then our unbelieving friends and community have it right. If Jesus is not prophet, they have it right. Go be God and prophetic voice of your own life. So Deuteronomy 18 has to be asked of Jesus. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. So the scripture does offer us a word of clarity and assurance on the question, is Jesus a prophet? So allow me to bring to our attention a few passages that bring light to this conversation. God, the Father in Matthew 17 says this, Jesus, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Right from God's lips. The writer of the book of Hebrews says this, Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Jesus prophetically speaks of his own death in Mark 9. And he says, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he's killed, after three days, he will rise. Jesus himself in John 12 says, I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. The true prophet. He passes the test of the grid of Deuteronomy 18. We can have great assurance that Jesus' words are trustworthy ones. He's the true, final, and forever prophet who only spoke God's words. No retweets. No regurgitating of what he heard from, you know, the guy down the street or what's on the news. He only spoke God's words. A retweet is when, uh, just, you, you guys can just Google it. <clears throat> Everything Jesus said has come to pass. Everything he promises is guaranteed. Remember, like Israel, we have the desire to be led by trustworthy mediators and voices. We may think our voice is the only one that matters. But eventually, our lives lead us to the conclusion that we need a prophet. We need some kind of wisdom, that, wisdom that's outside ourselves. So we go looking for that wisdom in that voice to listen to. And we've all taken many turns at following different voices. For a short time, it may seem to work until we're left wanting and waiting, hurting, and questioning. Would you consider this Christmas season or would you recommit to follow his voice? Jesus is the one we follow. As I close, hear these words from the true prophet, from the lips of Jesus, and may he enable our hearts to faithfully follow him. So Jesus' words, hear them, my friends. 
Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I, too, will love them and show them to myself, show themselves to me. You are my friends, Jesus says, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants. I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Would you pray with me? Father, that is the prayer that we would not manufacture our own joy It's impossible. When we manufacture our own joy, it comes and goes as the waves of the sea. As the tide comes in and out in our life and our circumstances, we see our joy coming in and out with those circumstances. But Jesus offers something much fuller and different. He says to the faithful follower, you do not make your own joy. I Give my joy to you. It's full and complete. Father, our prayer is that in this Christmas season, the joy of Jesus would be real and near and tangible as we follow his prophetic voice. Lord, for those of us who would confess failing, For those of us who would admit, we may pay lip service to Jesus, but we don't follow his words and commands. Well, would you please forgive us? Would you please help us? Would you please help us to know and to pursue the better way? Lord, for those here that do not know you, but they're curious, they're considering. Lord, would you help them to overcome the great hurdle of self? The great hurdle of fear, of wondering if they follow, they may be left disappointed. Oh, Lord, there is no disappointments in following the great and true, the better Moses, the prophet that came. In this season, we thank you for the birth of Christ. Because the birth of Christ brought the words of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.